As you take a moment now and start pulling out your Bibles, take out your swords, the 21st chapter of John's Gospel, we have our final study uh, here in the Gospel of John. We'll move on to his epistles next Sunday. Perfect message for Mission Sunday. And let me tell you why. Because what Peter says here is really something that you and I all have to, we, each one of us has to come to terms with exactly where Peter's at at the end of this gospel. As Jesus will speak to him for the final time here in John's gospel, he reminds us that really at the end of the day, all of us are simply followers of Jesus. Amen? Now some of us follow by leading. That is also true. And the first step of everyone following Jesus is receiving his gift of grace and being a believer. So a believer is also a disciple, a follower. But it's just the first step. And part of the problem with the church and a pro- part of the problem with each of our lives is that we're prone to kind of just get into the kingdom. We're, we're prone to purchase our fire insurance by saying yes to Jesus. We recognize we're a sinner and we need a savior. We, we don't want to spend eternity away from God in hell. And so we receive the Lord. But being a follower does not stop with being saved. Being a follower is going to take the rest of your life as you grow in Christ. We'll pick up and reread a little bit here in the end of John's gospel. We'll pick up in verse Uh, 18 first, but I want to ask you a question today as we begin. Are you truly a follower of Jesus? Will you answer what Jesus asks here? Will you follow him? Will you follow me? Jesus said. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that it is simple as receiving your, your grace to come into that right relationship by receiving that gift of faith and believing in you, Jesus. But what follows is a lifelong goal, Lord, where we follow you. We begin to look like you and talk like you and act like you and think like you. We begin to do your will, surrender to your plans and purposes. And so, Lord, as we study, would you help us to follow you today in a more deep and an intimate way? In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 18, John chapter 21, and most assuredly, verse we looked at last Sunday, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked where you wished, but when you were old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Notice exactly what Jesus is getting at. It's not actually totally clear from that sentence. But it becomes very clear in verse 19. This he, Jesus, spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. 
Now, I don't know how many times you get together with friends, people that you know well, and when you depart, you say to them, oh, and by the way, you're going to croak. You're going to die. At the end of your life, people are going to take you where you don't want to go, and you're going to die. But Jesus was speaking to Peter for a very, very, very important reason that applies to every person in this room, all of you watching online, those that are live streaming right now. Because until you settle the matter of whose life is your life, you cannot truly follow the Lord. Because if you are still living for you, you will always be hindered in living for him. Until you let go of your life in this life and die to yourself, it is very difficult to live fully for the Lord, if not impossible. You have to decide and view yourself and believe really in your heart that I'm already dead. We as believers in Christ count not our own lives dear any longer. I'm not a sadist, but people will often ask me, you know, aren't you a little old to be traveling around the world? I say, well, thank you very much. (laughs) I'm not that bad off, you know. People say, well, you've been doing that for a long, you know, you, you might contract some kind of disease. I mean, you don't get over things like you used to get over them. And I will usually say something like, look, I'm already dead. I gave my life to Jesus. And when I said yes to Jesus, I gave him my whole life. So the life I now live, I live for him. It's at his beck, his call. When you settle the matter of whose life you're living, you can really live for the Lord. Notice how this continues. Because herein is our problem. And then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So we know he's talking about John. So John's there. Peter's just been told, Peter, you're going to go someplace you don't want to go, and you're going to die doing it. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about John? How come you didn't tell him he's going to die? How come he is known as the one who loves you? How come he gets to ask all the good questions? How come you've been so good to John and you tell me I'm going to give my life for you? In essence, Peter is saying, look, this isn't fair. John's got it easy. You're telling me I got to be a martyr. Do you know what the secret is? If you consider yourself already dead, doesn't matter what happens here. But if you are after what you can get out of this life instead of what comes in the next, then what matters here will bother you. You'll not be able to let go of your life here. You'll hang on to your life here and you'll be hindered from the fullness of what God has for you. As Peter listens to this, look, what about John? 
He gets to live a long time. Verse 22, and Jesus said to him, if I will that he, that's John, remain till I come. Look, if I give John a really long life, if he never experiences anything, he doesn't get to be martyred like Peter, you're going to do. What is that to you? Why are your eyes focused on John, Peter? How come you're so concerned with what's going on in John's life? And why are you not concerned about your own life? Why are your eyes off of me, Peter? This is an issue you have to settle. And I have to settle. What is that to you? Peter, you follow me. Peter, you follow me. Whatever's going on in John's life, that's between me and him. You follow me. And then the saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. It was kind of a little thing that was going around in the first century that John was just going to live forever. Now John ended up spending his final days in the island of Patmos imprisoned in a cave and he did in fact live longer than all the rest of the disciples. But I'm not so sure that Peter didn't get the good end of that deal because Peter went home to heaven soon. Amen? John lived out his life and yes, John saw some amazing things, wrote the book of Revelation while he was imprisoned in that cave. But God knows what he's doing with your life. God knows what he's doing with my life. One of the tragedies that we're forced to deal with in ministry is when someone that from a human perspective, they leave this earth too soon. I will never be okay with doing memorial services and funerals for children. I just won't. I, I, it is the hardest thing in the world for me because every child I look at like my own kids. It's mind-bogglingly difficult to say, Lord, why? But the question really is, Lord, what? What eternal purpose are you accomplishing in this seeming act that I can't wrap my head around? You see, it's a problem of perspective. If I'm looking at heaven, I'll be okay. If I'm looking at earth, I will not be okay. Earth is deceptive. And yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, which is true. He didn't say you're not going to die, just that you're going to live a long time. But... If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? That's what Jesus actually said. In other words, you and John are not going to live exactly the same life. You and John are not going to have exactly the same thing. You and John may not have the same amount of money. You and John may not live in the same neighborhood. You and John may have cars and not have cars. You and John, you understand what I'm saying? And I'm modernizing it. You and John are not going to have the exact same existence while you're here on this earth. What is that to you, Peter? church, we have to settle this issue in every one of our hearts. We have to. Because life is not fair from a human perspective. 
There are people who have and people who have not. There are people who are horribly taken advantage of and people who don't. And seemingly there's no difference between the person. And while those things matter and we should do our best to do something about all of it, for a Christian, for a follower, our chief goal is to simply follow Jesus. We get so hung up in all these other things that we're not following Jesus. That's the issue. We want to get back to what really matters. And this is the disciple who testifies these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. John simply says, wow, I'm going to follow Jesus. When you've settled that matter, then you come to the conclusion, as we'll see as we shift from 1 Corinthians on Thursday night to 2 Corinthians, when you count yourself already dead, then your life really begins to take shape. You see, part of my problem is I love my life. Part of my problem is this world competes for my time. Part of of the problem with each of us is, are we really in? You see, some believers never get past the step of being self-professed. They received the Lord, they confessed the Lord, they made a decision to follow Christ, but they stay right there. They don't become real followers, amen? You know how you can spot a real follower? They look like who they're following, amen? Look, it's football season. The Rams won yesterday, amen? Now, if we can get the Chargers to finish that off, we could have an all-LA Super Bowl. Now, now why am I saying that? Because some of all y'all got blue and gold cars out in the parking lot. And there's flags hanging off them. We got, we got nearly a battle here in the front row. We got Ram Saints going on. It's hard to go against the Saints because they're from heaven. I hate to say it, we had a Patriots fan earlier. That was hard. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is you, you can see who their team is. Why? Face is painted, jerseys on, they're flying every bumper sticker known to man. Man, when they go home, they're having blue and gold nachos. Everything about them says, I follow the Rams. I follow the Chargers. I follow the Saints. I follow the Patriots. I follow, I follow, I follow, I follow. Why is this important to us? Because people should be able to tell whose team you're on by looking at the way you represent. Amen? Amen? Do you represent Jesus? Can people look at you and say, That is a stone-cold follower of Jesus. That's what being a disciple is. That's what a follower is. That's someone who is sold out to Jesus, and you can tell. 
There will be no mistake. You see, are you in that category of hardcore Jesus followers? Because our problem is we get our eyes off of Jesus and we start supporting all kinds of things with our time and talent and treasure. We we get off mission. We start moving the direction that is the world instead of the direction that is the Lord. And so the question becomes, are you really a disciple? When we use that term, and disciple and follower are really synonymous. Because during the time of Jesus, someone who was a disciple of someone else, that meant that they were taught by that person. But it was way more than that. It wasn't just they listened to a message and said, I got it. They often moved in with that person. They would abide with them. In fact, our word, our English word, apprentice, comes from the same Greek root as disciple. They apprenticed with them. They went where they went. They did what they did. They lived the way they lived. They ate, breathed, slept with that person. Are you a follower? You see, it's a little different when you look at it from that perspective, isn't it? It's not I went to church and I got my fire insurance. It's I went to church and started a journey with Jesus. I became a follower. Now that I am following, I'm camping out with Jesus. I'm living with Jesus. I'm taking in his word. I'm doing what he says. You see, we can spot real disciples. Some people just self-identify, and you cannot tell that they're actually followers of Jesus. Why? All you have to do is look at their life. They're not representing Jesus. They're representing the world. They're still doing all the same things they did when they were in the world. They're using the same language as when they were in the world. They never talk about Jesus. They rarely attend church on a regular basis. They don't pray. They have no work of the Holy Spirit. And what God says is actually not all that important to them. They do not represent. But if you want to be a real follower of Jesus... There's a whole bunch of things that are going to happen in your life, and I want to give you some in our remaining time. What does it look like? Please be reminded that you can download these from the Internet. They're free. If you're watching online, you can just go to our website and pull them down. If you want to try and write them down, go ahead. Uh, But you can do it later, and feel free to take pictures and all those kind of things. We don't care. Freely he is given and freely receive. Amen? What does it mean to be a disciple, a follower, someone who abides in Christ, someone who lives with the Lord Jesus, someone whose chief concern is to represent the king? What does that look like? Well, the first thing is Christ-like living, amen? Actually living as though heaven matters. Eternity matters. Jesus matters. The word matters, And these scripture references, you can read them later for sake of time. We'll just move through them so that you get a point of reference to where to go to see this. There in Colossians chapter 3, it says in verse 2, set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. Is that simple enough for all of us? Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, get your eyes off of John. Stop looking at John. Peter, you look at heaven. 
you look at me, you see me, forget what's going on in John's life. You see, we all have to learn that lesson. Every person in this room, you are going to be defined by the way you live your life. No one else can live it for you. And to that end, Paul writes to the church of Colossae, he says, but now you yourselves are to put off, and you'll see this in this chapter, there's a series of things to put off and a series of things to put on. You've got to be clothed properly to really follow Jesus. You've got to represent with the right colors, amen? You can say all day you're 4-1 team, but if you've got a green jersey and you're representing the Rams, you ain't no Rams fan, Okay? You're like a demented Seahawks fan that somehow got the wrong jersey on you. You got to put off that old funky thing and you got to put on the real deal, right? That's why the real ones cost 150 bucks and the cheap ones you can get from a vendor out on the street for 10. There's a real look and there's a not real look and the real look is real easy to tell. Here's how we know that. In Colossians 3, it says this, verse 8, but now you yourselves put off these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, don't lie to each other, put off the old man with all of his deeds, and then put on the new man, kindness, tender mercies, humility, meekness. You see what I'm saying? You see what the Bible's telling us? To really represent the Lord, to be a follower, you got to do things God's way. You can't run around clothed in the wrong jersey. You got to put off the old one, you got to put on the new one. A second thing, we're marked by the way we love one another. We're also marked by the way we love the world, but we're really marked by the way we love one another. That is the substance of Jesus' high priestly prayer that we saw in chapter 17. Here's what I really want, Jesus said, that you would love one another as I have loved you, as I and my Father are one, so you guys be one. You see, real disciples are into teamwork. Amen? You show up, there's a few stadiums on, on, in this country you don't want to go to with your home team jersey on. Why? Well, this is not going to go good for you. Your car's going to have no tires. You'll need a paint job. Your barbecue's going to be inside your car and still burning. Because you're representing in the wrong city. You see, that's not all that much love. But when you're with the home team, People ought to be able to tell that we're all together. You you see, we should be distinguished by the way we love each other. We all get together, we're like, yes, Jesus. We're playing for our team. A third thing. We treat people outside the church the same way. We love them. We forget about race and social boundaries. We forget about money. We forget about social standing and gender and even religion, power or lack thereof. We say everybody's welcome. You come. We'd love to have you. 
We'd love to have you follow the Lord. We're, let's follow him together. Because it's the loving kindness of God that draws men to repentance. And there's only one real church, and that church is made up of all kinds of us. We ought to be able to get along. People ought to know. They ought to be able to look at us and go, man, there's something crazy good about them. I don't know what it is. You see, when people sometimes see us and they see how we live our lives, they don't immediately know what that is. But it's the fact that they see it that gives us the opportunity to tell them who it is. Amen? But if they don't see it, they won't ask. Because they can go see people being mean to each other all day, every day. Amen? All you got to do is turn on the news. Serious, this is a heart attack. It's like one person yelling at another person about the other person who's not even there, but we got to make sure, whoever's not here, they're really going to get it. That's the world we live in. The world has seen enough of that. What the world needs to see is people loving one another. That's what the world needs. That's what followers of Jesus do. And that's different than the world. So we stand out. We're the pink tutu people at the Raider game. Not suggesting you do that, by the way. (laughs) That too could have a bad end. Can I tell you something? Following Jesus ain't easy. You can expect some suffering occasionally. Just expect it. But if you've counted your own life not dear, if it's already lost for the cause of Christ, this is not going to be that big a deal for you because you're already dead. You, you look at your own life and say, Lord, it's already yours. You already have it. If I take my last breath here, I'm going to wake up in heaven. So when the enemy comes at you, when the enemy does what the enemy did to Job, God's bragging on Job. Read Job chapter 1. There is nobody on the whole face of the earth like Job in righteousness. And Satan's going, oh, I see. You've made it good for him. Will you just let me have him for a couple of days? Satan's going to inquire of you occasionally. He's going he's to test to see if you're really serving the Lord with the right heart and right motivation. And you're going to go through things you're not going to like. You need to be ready for it. It's part of following Jesus. And, and in fact, it is there. As the fifth point is, that you, as you expect those difficulties, you're going to see this incredible growth in your own life. That is why James said, count it all joy, brothers and sisters. When you fall into all kinds of various crazy problems, because the testing of your faith produces patience. Because you need some patience to run in this world as a follower of Christ. Amen? Amen? You need patience. Because it's not going to be easy. People are going to hate you because you're a follower of Jesus. Just like when you wear the wrong jersey to a football game, man, you're going to take some abuse. That's the way we are in the world, amen? When we go in, we're wearing the wrong team's colors and we're showing up at the game, we're going, yay, Jesus. And they're going, oh, no, you're not doing that here. We have to represent all the time, even in tough times. You see, some Christians are only Christians when it doesn't cost them anything. Some Christians are only Christians when 
they can wake up and God does something good in their life. If you're a real follower, you follow Jesus when it gets tough. Peter had some tough things he went through, didn't he? And he didn't pass every one of those tests with flying colors, did he? No, he did not. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and every time he did, he was needing scuba gear in the Sea of Galilee. So you're going to go through some stuff. Can I tell you one of the most distressing things at times for me as a pastor is watching people who have been in church in many cases for most of their adult life and they are still spiritual infants. Why is that? Because they refuse to actually follow Jesus. They're unwilling to give up the old and they're unwilling to put on the new. They very often go back to the same old problems over and over again. They stay spiritual infants. Now, I'm not questioning anyone's salvation. I'm just simply saying that we shouldn't be babies when we've been saved for 20 years. Look, our our bridegroom's coming, amen? One day Jesus is coming back for his church. Can you imagine a bride showing up at her wedding in a onesie with a binky in her mouth? Pretty inappropriate, don't you think? Kind of like the husband's going to say, what? Why? Because she's acting like a baby. You're not expecting a baby when you get married, amen? That was way in the past. Spiritually, we need to quit acting like babies. And say, yes, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm going to change that behavior. I'm going to give that thing to you. I'm no longer going to walk after the dictates of my flesh. I'm not going to ask for candy every single morning. I'm actually going to eat my steel-cut oatmeal instead of my cocoa puffs with extra sugar. You see, kids go after things that are sweet, right? And adults go after things that are sweet too, like sin. Pleasurable for a moment, but the end of it is death. We need to grow up. We need to grow in faith. We need to stop walking in darkness. That's really a sub point, if you will. We're going to see that as we get into John's first letter to the church. If we say that we walk in the light, then we ought not to walk in the darkness. Again, this is how you represent the Lord. This is you and I say, yes, it's so true that I am a follower of Christ that I am shining for the king. A lot of Christians are are, are like if you take a flashlight and dunk it in mud. Oh, you can still turn it on, but you can't see anything except for where the light kind of makes it through the cracks in the mud on the lens, right? Don't dip yourself in mud, walk in the light. We have to stop walking in the darkness takes effort on our parts doesn't it because the enemy comes along and says well you know some darkness is actually good you're going yeah that's right you have to stop walking in darkness say no to it turn the light on and don't do it anymore an eighth thing 
We're spirit controlled. We're not controlled by the old team, the old way. We don't sometimes represent the old team, which would be team devil, El Diablo. Los Diablos, we're not on that team anymore, okay? We're supposed to be led by, we get out the new playbook. That new playbook is written by the Spirit. And the Spirit of God calls in the plays in our life. I have no idea how I ended up on this football thing. (laughs) Metaphorically speaking. Holy Ghost, I think. But it fits, doesn't it? You see, when a coach leaves an old team and goes to a new team, he normally takes the playbook with him. Your flesh is going to take the old playbook with you. You're going to get that out of once in a while. Well, yeah, we used to run this way, right here. We used to run around the end to the bar. Run into the arms of that other person that I'm not married to. Run to that language that doesn't represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You see the Holy Spirit saying, you need to toss the old playbook. Here's the new playbook. You need to read from this one. This is the new play. And the new plays ain't playing. Amen? So we have to get these things as followers of Christ. Because the world gets confused because we start running the old team's plays. We start hanging out with the El Diablos, and yet we're, we're telling them we're, we're, we're El Dio. You know, we're, we're the Lord. We're like on two opposing teams, and people can't tell who we play for. You've got to be solid in who you represent. A couple more things, and we'll wrap it up. Maybe you're one of those believers. Maybe you're a disciple who thinks that following the Lord is trying to pray yourself out of the problems you create. Can I tell you that you need to make sure that you pray first instead of after you've gotten yourself into trouble? Pray that you stay out of trouble. Amen? Because too many of us, our prayer life goes like this. Lord, help! That's it. That's our prayer life. I did this, I got that, this thing came instead of, Lord, would you actually keep me from getting into a situation where I need your help? Would you move in my life in such a way that I'm right where you want me to be? Would you take out of my life the things that are not supposed to be there? And would you put into my life the things that are supposed to be there? Lord, direct my life. So when you say Jesus is your Lord, that means master. Be a good idea if you actually talk to the master if you want to find out what he wants you to do. Amen? Don't make your prayer life just when you, you run to God when something's busted. That's like the person who gets the, you know, you get the owner's manual to something. The first thing you do is throw that thing away. You need to talk to the guy that built it. A tent thing. If you want to be empowered to do what God wants you to do, if you want to be on the team in that way, if you want to walk with the Lord, then you are going to need a new power source. Because your flesh isn't going to do it. You're going to need to have the Lord move. If you're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, uttermost parts of the world in your own life, if you're going to live that way, if you're going to be empowered that way, you need God to do that. 
It's not going to come naturally. You're going to run out of power to do God's things God's way really quick if you try and do it with your own strength. You will need the Holy Spirit. Real disciples rest in the Holy Spirit. It's like, God, I know you can do this. And finally, you become part of all the rest of us because we're all just following Jesus. What did Jesus say? What is that to you, John? You follow me. Amen? We just follow Jesus together. We're on this incredible journey where we're all individually being transformed day by day into the image of Jesus and collectively we represent. We're that one section in the stadium where it is exactly the team colors. There's not a single person left in the stands that's the odd person. You know what I'm saying? You've ever seen that? You're like, wow, there's one guy up there who's got the wrong color on. No, we want to have everybody in the stands doing Jesus' things Jesus' way. We just follow him. It's like, Lord, if you need to change me, change me. If you need to change them, change them. But let us not mess up what you're doing. We just want to follow you. We want to be like you. And to that end, Lord, we just simply surrender and say yes to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll close in prayer? Now, maybe for some of you, you haven't taken that first step. You haven't invited Christ into your life. That's the first thing you have to do. You have to be a believer in him in order to start that journey as a follower. We have a whole team over in our prayer room, and I'm going to ask you after service, as a step of faith, to just simply leave where you are right now and go over to that prayer room. Uh, And we have some wonderful prayer partners in there that will... Um, ask, ask some questions of you and give you the opportunity to know Jesus personally, but it's really simple. You have to invite him into your life. You have to admit that you're a sinner and you need a savior. And you're saying, Lord, I can't do this on my own. I want you to do it for me. I want you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. They'll help you with that. For the rest of us, man, as we, as we go out into this world, we have the opportunity to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the greatest team that's ever existed in all of eternity. Let's do that well, amen? Father, thank you. Lord, that you would draft any of us into your team is mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling, Lord, that you would pick us. But you have, and we are so grateful. And so, Lord, would you help us to follow you? When you pull out the playbook, help us to, to run our routes, Lord. Lord, help us to forget the old playbook, Lord. Some of us are struggling with the old plays. Lord, help us. We need your strength. We we need to do some conditioning spiritually. Help us with that, please. God, we thank you for loving us and accepting us into the beloved. Pray that as we don our jerseys and head to the locker room, Lord, that you'd find a spot for each of us to go out into this world and be useful to your kingdom together. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.